Hello, this is The Jay Show, and this is Dr. Jay Smith here in London with Hatun Tosh. Good to have you on board again. Hello, Jay. Thanks for having me. Now, what we have done, we are going through and we're looking at how Islam emerged, how it began, what history tells us. Not what the pundits tell us, not what we've learned in school, not what we're going to be getting certainly from Muslims who are talking to us, engaging yep. with us. We're actually looking saying because of the fact that so much of Islam that we know about, who the Prophet was, what he said, what he did, where he went, the people that wrote about him, all of this material comes from two to three hundred years too yep. late. We're saying let's go back to the seventh century. Let's go back to that time that Islam should have begun and let's see what actually happened. And we're finding some disturbing things already when we've looked at the Quran, we've noticed that there are some geographical locations that are just simply wrong. Not simply wrong, they were like uh, approximately <coughs> over thousand miles far from where Muhammad based. Okay, well, people 600 like miles. 600 miles for people like Thamud and Ad As, and yep. Midian, uh, 23 times for Ad, 24 times for Thamud, 15, uh, five, uh, seven times for Midian. And because of the fact that they are so far north, 600 miles north, there's no yep. way this prophet, whatever his name is, we know that four times it refers to him as Muhammad. Well, whoever this person is, that he could have had daily contact with him, as it says, yep. as it implies very clearly in the Quran. If that even, is the even case, even the runner Mo can't do that. So uh, who? Runner Mo, you know Mo. Mo? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I have no idea who Runner Mo is. He's he's like guy who Mo Farah. Yeah, Mo Farah. Oh, Mo Farah, that he's one of my heroes. No, and he would never be able to run that far back. And, and you, if you double that, that's twelve hundred miles. Because yep. you've got to come home again. So 1,200 miles a day, unless they had a helicopter, no way that that could be. So it always suggests, therefore, that maybe where this prophet is living, maybe where he is doing his work, maybe where he's receiving this revelation is not down in Mecca, yeah. but much, much further north. Yeah. Since Quran doesn't tell us uh, Muhammad received this revelation in Mecca, Muhammad received this revelation in Medina, we have to go back to traditional accounts, surah and uh, hadiths, and which are, as we mentioned earlier, written approximately 200, 300 years after the death of Muhammad. They were too late. Well, this brings up then the next second problem. Let's go put the screen up and let's look at the second problem. And the second problem is Mecca. What are we going to do with Mecca then, Hatun? Because take a look. What, what does it, where is it Mecca even mentioned in the Quran? So Mecca is mentioned in the Quran only once. One in, time. Yeah, in Surah 48. Ayah 24. Okay. And we have it right there on the screen yeah. there. Surah, Surah 48, 48 uh, verse 24. As a name, Mecca is only mentioned month. Go ahead and read it on your screen. That I can read it with you. And he is, and he it is, who had withheld man's hand from you, and had withheld your hands from them. In the valley of Mecca, and after he made you victorious after them, Allah is seer of what you do. Now just take that verse right there. That doesn't tell you too much, but you do know something that's salient. Yeah, it's oh, in a valley. Yeah, that's the only information Quran gives it's us regarding It's a valley called Mecca. Mecca. Yeah, and um, Islamic tradition um, also um, tells us Bakka, which is mentioned in Surah 3, is um, again talking about Mecca. Well, two problems. Yeah. It's in a valley. We know if you look at any picture, I've not been to Mecca, you've not been to Mecca, we can't go to because Mecca. Because we are Christians. We, anybody that's not a Muslim is not permitted. But if you look at all the pictures of looking at Mecca, it's not a valley. Yeah. There are some wadis that come down through it. Uh, there's, uh, there, are, there are mountains that are quite a, a few kilometers away, but there are no, there is no, it's not a valley. So you've got a problem there. Secondly, Bekaa, 
we know where Bekaa is. That's the Valley of Bekaa. That's the that's in Lebanon. Close, close to, yeah, that's close even further. That's over 800 miles further north. So that can't be Bekaa. And Bekaa itself is Bekaa. It's completely different consonantal text. It's you cannot just manipulate the yeah. consonants in Arabic. Yeah, but to throughout, impose what you want. Throughout centuries, Muslim scholars interpreted that as Mecca. Right. What do we know like about as a holy city? What do we now? Let's let's put the uh, the slide back up there and let's look and see what we now know about this place, Mecca. Yeah. This place that's supposing where the prophets from. Yeah. Only once does it refer to Mecca. It could be almost anywhere. Therefore. Yeah. So just go through so, that. Um, all those information comes from tradition, from Sahih Bukhari and ha from the hadiths and um, commentaries. So uh, it is in a valley and parallel valleys. So there's two valleys. Yeah. Uh, uh, with a stream. According to Al-Buhari, has a yeah. stream going through it. A pillar of salt. Which refers to the, ref the story of the Lot's wife. wife. who turned to. And, uh, the, and according to this, the prophet in the morning when he goes out of this settlement, he passes that pillar of salt in the morning. Yeah. In the evening, he passes by again the pillar of salt. That would be Lot's wife. Yeah. So you can see that's difficult because if that's the case, that should be way, way further north. That should be, again, 600 miles further north, up near Israel, up yeah. in that area, not down in Mecca, in the Hejaz, in the central part of Arabia. So it goes back. Let's go look, see what else it has. So a pillar of salt, that doesn't make sense. Um, with fields. With fields, according to Al-Buhari 9, uh, uh, 337. Yep. And trees, grass, fruit, and loams. That means it's very fertile. Yep. It must be a fertile place. If it has cre trees, grass, fruit, loam, that's in Sahih Al-Tirmidhi, Al-Buhari, uh, Al-Tabari. So three different sources yep. refer to the fact that it was very fertile. Yep. That means it must have lots of rain. It has lots of rain, supposedly. And it has olive trees. Now, that's the most curious. Hatun, where are there olive trees? I know there are lo lovely olive trees in Jordan, in, in Turkey. In fact, the only olive trees that exist is in the Mediterranean. Yeah. There are no olive trees in Arabia. Because there is not enough rain for uh, climate to bear. The climate's wrong, it's yeah. and so olive trees have never existed out of the Mediterranean area, 600 miles further north. Yeah. And then it mentions that there are mountains overlooking the Kaaba. Now there's no mountain. There's some hills about yeah. three or four, three to five kilometers away, but no mountains overlooking on. So Mecca is not in a valley and has none of these listed above because it is too arid and too dry. Yes. Huh. But in somehow in Islamic tradition, we see those are the description of the Mecca. We've got a problem here. We've got a big problem here. Because, as you can see on the slide there, Mecca is the center of Islam. It is the center of the world. It is the center of history. That's where the first sanctuary was appointed for mankind. Now, there it says Bakka. Isn't that interesting? But that is not Mecca. It's wrong, the wrong consonants in Surah 396 that you were talking about earlier. It's the mother of all settlements in Surah 6, Ayah 94, 2, and Surah 42, 5. Not Mecca, but this place where this, uh, this um, uh, prophet came from. This place where this prophet came from is where Adam and Eve were thrown down to in Surah 7, Ayah 24. It's where Abraham lived in 1900 BC in Surah 21. Ayah 51 to 71. It's where Muhammad was born and lived until 622 at the Hijrah. Yep. Therefore, it became the center of the Qibla in 624. That's important. Remember okay. that date. When we say Qibla, we mean direction of the prayer. So everybody must pray towards there. And that was canonized. That was introduced 
According to the traditions by According Muhammad. According to Quran. And Surah Quran, Surah yep. 1, Surah 2, Ayah 145 one to 149. Yeah. It's there introduced by it, the Quran. Yeah. Uh, direction of the k prayer, Qibla, has changed in Surah 2 towards Mecca. Then the, and of course, Quran doesn't say Mecca, but it just talks about the direction to be changed. It has to be changed. Yeah. And what's fascinating, uh, according to the traditions, it's very clear that for the first two years when Muhammad was there in Medina, the, he got a revelation from God that the Qibla was supposed to be towards Jerusalem so that he can, that he can have an alliance that's with the Jews. That's according to the Islamic tradition. To the traditions, again, yeah. I'm saying that, yeah. and that's very clear. Thanks for bringing that in. Then according to Surah 1, 2, Ayah 145 to 149. Surah 2, 145 to 149, it was then brought back down to Mecca because the Jews no longer accepted him. And when the Jews no longer accepted yep. him, he no longer accepted them. And yep. that's why they, he got a convenient revelation that the Qibla should be redirected back down. That happens in 624. So hold that number in your head. Yep. For those of you who are watching, hold that number in your head because 624 now, we're going to look at that number and we're going to keep that number emblazoned on our head. This is when they the Qibla was canonized. And uh, you can see what's difficult because let's... So that means every mosque which has been built um, or every individual who has prayed since 624 had to face towards Mecca. Well, which means every Muslim because there were That's no mosques. including Muhammad. There were no mosques before yeah. 624. No yeah. mosques had been built yet. Yeah. He had just started the Khilafat. Now, let's, let's look at some maps. And what I want to do is... Take a look at these maps. Now, this is um, a, if you look on the slide here, what's wrong with this 7th century Byzantine map? This is a 7th century Byzantine map superimposed. You see what's wrong with it? Uh, so it kind of mentions the cities and places which were important in 7th century. Yet when you look deeper in somehow, Mecca is out of the picture. I don't see Mecca there at all. Nope. Take a look at this map here. Here's another map. What's wrong with that map, Hatun? Again, Mecca is out of the picture. And it should be right where that question mark is. See where the question mark is? Yes. That's where Mecca should be, just inland. So this is the map from the Arab trade routes. These are the Arab trade. Now let's look at some real maps, okay? Let's take a look at this one. Here's a sixth century map. So this is one that's even earlier, a century earlier. You notice Mecca's not on that map. Where is Mecca, Jay? Here's a seventh century map. Again, a trade route map. This is an authentic map that is from that era. It's not a map that we're making today. This is one of the original maps. Where do you find Mecca on that map? Um, it's not exist. Again, Mecca is the place where Muhammad received his revelation, where Allah t t t told people in 624, turn your face to towards Mecca, uh, yet it's not there. Uh, it's the oldest city in mankind. It's where Abraham and Ishmael rebuilt the Kaaba. And it Abraham certainly should have been around. Yeah for since 1900 BC. So you can see by this time, by the seventh century, people haven't recognized That's 2,500 years later, they still don't have it on a map. Here, take a look at this map. Here's another seventh century map. Mecca is still missing. Every map we're looking on, let's look at another one. I'm gonna give you a fifth one. Here's another seventh century map. See if you can find Mecca there. You can't, can you? Yeah, and also historians looked at those maps because like um, viewers are looking at they are very small, but historians looked at those maps as well. And sadly, with great sadness, Mecca is not there. Now, Patricia Corona, I want you to look at this map here. Patricia Corona in the 1970s and then the 1980s looked at this map. Now, this map is not from the seventh century. But it is a map uh, created in the 20th century, redacted back, back to the 7th century, century yeah. assuming that the Islamic traditions are correct. 
And she looked at this map and she saw something, a problem. Now, if you look at this map, you will notice the Arabian Sea down in the uh, far, the uh, right bottom area of yep. the water. And you'll see that there's the Mediterranean Sea in the upper left-hand corner of, of the map. And then you see Arabia right in the middle. Off to your right, you will see India. And then you will see Persia. That's the Sassanid area uh, with all the mountainous area between India and Turkey, your country. But in the bottom of that is Arabia. Now, here's, here's the trade route theory. And everybody knows this theory. Montgomery Watt was the one that coined this theory yep. back in the early 1900s. And he said if all the trade was coming from India in the right there, it, uh, the trade could not go up north because of, of the Himalayas. See the mountains there at the top yes. of the map? It could not get that way. So all the trade had to go to the west coast of India and had to come across the Arabian Sea up yep. the Persian Gulf. And you can see the Persian yes. Gulf there in the northern side of Arabia, the southern side of what is today Iran. That's where all the trade went. And from there then went across land, just a little bit of, of land over to the Mediterranean. But in the fifth century, the Sassanids, the Persians, they're in Iran, in Iraq started battling with the Byzantines who were up in Turkey and coming down the east coast of the, uh, of the Mediterranean where Israel is today. The Byzantines and the Sassanids were warring for about 200 years. That's the 5th, 6th and up to the 7th century, which shut down the trade. Yep. The trade could no longer go through the Persian Gulf. So they had to redirect the trade across the Arabian Sea down to Aden. And Aden is right there at the very tip of of the Arabian, you can see it down there. It, it's right near the tip of the southern border of what is Sana. Uh, well, I'm sorry, what is um, Yemen today? Yep. And from Aden, they took off all the goods there at Aden, and then they went and they followed that green line. If you look at that green line carefully, that's the trade route. So it goes up through Na Na Asana to Nazaran, up to Taif. When you get to Taif, take a look at what happens. It detours down to Mecca. Yep. So are you trying to tell me people uh, use the sea for a long time and then when they come to the um, Yemen, where also there is option of sea, they decided to vote. Okay, you're, jumping, you're jumping ahead. I don't want you to say quite yet. Before you get to that, before you come to that conclusion, Patricia Kuran was looking at this map and she noticed that first of all, it didn't make sense. When you look at Taif, the, the detour, all of it is along the western plateau. This is a lot on the mountaintop, the plat yeah. tablet, tablet. And then it comes off the plateau down to Mecca. It would have to come back down about a thousand meters down to get to Mecca, which is not on the coast. It's inland. And then it would have to go back up all the way up to get up to Yathrib. That's the archaic name for what is today Medina. And then from Yathrib, it would go up to Khaybar Tabuk and then on up to Gaza up in the Mediterranean. So that's the route that it would take. Uh, from Aden to Najran to Sana, up to Taif, down to Mecca, up to Yathrib, Khaybar, Tabuk, and then on up to Gaza. Uh, Gaza. Is there a problem with that? Can you see immediately? First of all, she said, Mecca's not on the trade route. It's off the trade route. There's yeah. no reason for it to come off the plat plateau, especially since we know that Mecca has no water source. How could it accommodate caravans? It has no grass, clay, loam. It has no fertile crescent that could actually feed the camels. There is no oasis. It doesn't belong in any map. There's no map referring to it. Yeah. But there's another problem. Now you're getting at it. Now we're going to come. What else is the problem? My 10-year-old son saw this immediately when he looked at this map. What's the problem with that whole theory? So they used C for a long time they're already and on sea right yeah and then they're they coming across the arabian sea so they get out in yemen why would they get out in Aden? while there is a red sea over there there's a waterway 
going up the west coast. And then they decided to go with the camels. Why in the world did they get off boats? When they, Dr. Patricia Crone found that if you go 50 miles by land, that would be the same price as going 1,250 miles by sea. That means the entire distance of the Red Sea is 1,250 miles. You could take a boat all the way up the Red Sea for the same price as only 50 miles by land. And the reason why land was so expensive is you have to, first of all, you have to buy camels. You yep. have to feed camels. Look you have to them. buy food. You have to then protect yourself. Yep. You have to go from oasis to oasis. You better get to the oasis, yep. otherwise you're going to die of thirst. And then you have to pay taxes at the oasis. And of course, all the way, uh, all the uh, duress of going all the way and protecting against all the thieves along the way. Now, the security problem. So she said it would make no sense to go overland when you could have kept them on board ship. That's why today, all of our goods are come from China and Japan. They all come on ship, don't they? All our trade comes on ship because uh, it's the cheapest way to send lots of goods because yeah, all you need is wind. I don't know if all of them comes by ship, but yeah. Well, they don't come by air. I don't know all of, about all Very of little comes by air. Okay, about the only thing that okay, comes by air are, are uh, air mail, and that's about okay. it. But big goods, all your cars and all your goods that come from Japan and China that we get, those all come by ship. Now, if that's the case, she said, then why is it that nobody had noticed this before? Um, probably one of the reasons no one even bothered to check those informations before. It completely destroys Montgomery Watt's trade route theory. Yeah. So she decided to do some research. Now remember, she reads and writes 15 languages. Yes, which we, means we she, did look at that She's earlier. one of the only ones that has the capacity to actually investigate this. And she went back to the trading documents from the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, up until the seventh century. She went through all the trading documents and guess what she found? Mecca wasn't there? Mecca was not on any trading document. Yep. Was not included. I'm not included. surprised at all, over a century after it should have been there, is the first reference she could find. Yeah. Guess when the first map she could find with it on? 900 It's right AD. there on the screen. 900 The AD. first map that she could find, and listen, we ask Muslims today, see if you can find something earlier. Rather than get angry, we, Muslims get angry with us all the time for saying this. Hatun and I, all we are are messengers. We're not, yep. we didn't do any of this research. We don't have the capacity to do this kind of research. I don't know 15 languages or 18 languages like Dr. Robert Hoyland or Dr. Patricia Cronin knows 15. She did the work, but rather than get angry at Patricia Cronin or us for actually bringing this up, you go and find something earlier. That's our challenge to you, see if you can find any reference to Mecca. Remember, this is the oldest city in the history. This is where Abraham rebuilt the Kaaba. This is where the center of trade, north, south, east, and west. This is where your prophet Muhammad was born and grew up and spent his life until 610. Therefore, it's impinging upon you to find out where the city is. Why can we not find it, Hatun? Because it was never there. It was never there. Now take a look and see what they're doing today. Let's take a look at this slide here. And when you look at this slide, um, you will see it's a modern uh, pictures of yep. what Mecca is today. That building you see there, Hatun, it is called the Braj al-Bayt Towers. That is a clock tower. It is the fourth highest building in the world. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed to see um, as a um, greatest city, it's been developed a lot. Well, you can see they're not only building that tower, tower and they're building other. all these other buildings yeah. around it. They uh, even they're build a hajj, hajj from They this. want to also make this the center of time. Yeah. They want to make this 
the instead of GMT, Greenwich Mean Time, they wanted to make it Meccan Mean Time, and that's why that clock face is the largest clock face in the world. It's 45 feet across to replace Big Ben, which is pictured on the bottom left. It's modeled after Big Ben, but much, much, much bigger yeah. and certainly much higher. Now let's take a look at this slide here. This is what the future of Mecca is going to look like. What do you notice? It's a lot of more buildings. Huge. 62 buildings they're going to be building there all around the Kaaba. They're but here's the, my question. In somehow it is very difficult to go even dig very small place anywhere in Middle East because uh, archaeologists or historians or um, people who are responsible from the government regarding the culture and past, uh, they would want to uh, be there to see if there is any archaeology under the place so you are digging. So whatever you build in a historic city like Damascus or Jerusalem or Amman, Somewhere in Middle even East. London, yeah, what do you even do? Even in Middle East, you go to the... Anywhere in the world that's an archaic city, yeah. you always bring archaeologists to look and discuss. Because as you're digging down the foundations, yeah, you have you to might build, find something. You will bring up yeah. all kinds of artifacts. But um, And that's where they make some of the best discoveries. Yeah, and yet when we look at the pic future pictures and current pictures of Mecca... Take a look at the one that we have on the seems, slide here. It seems no one even bothered to see if there... Let's see what... Well, they what have, left. they have. If you look at the slide that we have here, look at all the cranes there. This is what it looks like today. Uh, you can see that uh, the pro uh, the Prophet's birth house is now being covered over, uh, that the Prophet's wife, Khadija, her house is being covered over. Uh, you can see that they're now covering everything over. They're cementing everything up. And as you said, um, Khatun, you need to have archaeologists on hand to find artifacts to rebuild the history of the city. Guess what they have found? That is nothing? Absolutely zero. Nothing is there. They can't find any artifacts. Yet this I'm is the oldest city in history. I'm not surprised because just if you look at the current situation and current pictures, you see they are trying to cover up something and that something is just nothing. They've got nothing from the time of Muhammad as archaeological evidence. They've got nothing from the first in seventh century. Now they are trying to cover up and build big, big, big buildings. They're trying to destroy the evidence. Yeah. And that's what we have on yes, the slide. Yes, there is no there. evidence anyway. You can see on the slide there, it is obviously they're trying to destroy the evidence. They're cementing everything up because they know what we know, and that is Mecca is not a very old city. Now, to prove that, we need to go one step further. Because what and why is Mecca important today? Um, as we said, it is the center of birth of Islam, city where the Islam is okay. bor born. And um, on the other hand, it's the place where people go for pilgrimage. Okay. Plus, it is the place where we've got the Kaaba. And why is the Kaaba important, other than the fact that you do circumambulate and everybody goes there in the Hajj? Why is it important for all Muslims today? Besides making rich to Saudi Arabia, it is important for, as Muslims pray five times a day, they it need to... It is where the Qibla is formed. They the need Qibla. to turn their face towards Kaaba. That's direction now of the problem number three. Yeah. We've talked about the problem of geographical locations with the Had Ad in Midian. Now yep. we come to problem number two, Me Mecca. And now we introduce problem number three, the Qibla. Qibla. 
So let's go and let's introduce that. And we'll spend the next last five minutes just introducing it, and then we're going to come back in the next episode and unpack it and yep. show you what we're now finding about the Qibla. So tell me, explain what the Qibla is. So um, it is the direction where you turn when you pray. And how do you know this direction? Uh, um, right now, in 2017, you've got lots of equipments which yeah. helps you Abs but in the time of um, in the time of muhammad um, quran gives you the islamic tradition gives you that direction turn your face towards if you look in the slide there you can see on the top or left hand side that's called the mihrab when you go into a mosque you'll find a mihrab like that it's a niche in the wall always facing where Mecca is. So every yep. mosque will have a mihrab, modern mosque I'm saying, will have a mihrab, uh, that little indentation. You can see the, 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 uh, the, that arrow that's on, on the wall is from my hotel room in, in um, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Yep. That showed me the Qibla, so if I want to do my prayer in my room. If you look to the right, you can see an app on an iPhone. You can That's an old iPhone, but the Qibla compass is already there. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can always find where the Qibla is yes. today. Now, so the Qibla is the direction of prayer where you are in the world, you always know where to turn, to turn, to do your prayer five times a day. Yeah. That was canonized according to Surah 2, to Ayah 143 to 150 in 624. Yes. So this is something that we need to ask. Is that, can that be supported through archaeology? And the answer is absolutely not. That will be very shame it is not because 1.8 billion Muslims are are faithfully praying and turning towards to, uh, doing the Qibla to, um, towards Kaaba. What's interesting is back in 1905, two scholars named Fehrvari and Creswell, Dr. Creswell and Dr. Fehrvari, were traveling all over the Middle East and they, try, they were trying to get to the oldest mosques at that time. They, and they went to the Fustat Mosque outside of Cairo, which is a garrison town outside of Cairo in Egypt. Yeah. In six, which was a mosque, and then they dug down to the original four plan, and they got down to the 642 area. Yeah. And they noticed that the Qibla there was facing east. When they went to Iraq, what is today Iraq, it wasn't called that back then, they went um, to Wasit. Yep. Wasit is just east of the Euphrates River, and they went to the Wasit, they dug down to the Wasit Mosque, which is dated 706, so that's an 8th century mosque. Yep. And they noticed that the Qibla on that mosque is facing west but it should be facing south. Uh, when they went to a Kuf, the Kufa Mosque, which is the holy city uh, today, known as one of the holy cities of Islam, yeah. and they dug In through Iraq. that map, map, and that one they dug down, and they noticed that that was facing west as well. Let's put a map up there and we'll see. Look at this map here and see then what they found. You can see Fustat on the left is facing east. Baghdad and Mosquet on the right is facing west. So they thought in 1905, ah, this must be facing Jerusalem. That's what they thought. Yeah. And it looks like it. If you, if you were in 1905, that would be the conclusion you'd come to as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, because Islamic tradition um, talks about direction of the Qibla changed from Jerusalem to Mecca. So at one time for two years, 622 to 624, it was there towards Jerusalem according Some to of Islamic, Islamic tradition. tradition. Some and of the Islamic the Quran says that in Surah 2, 145 to 150, implies that. Yeah. Now, Here's the problem. Take a look at that map again. Let's go put it up on slide. Can you tell? Notice Mecca is way down to the south. Yep. That so we even are in 1905, about, they are, saw there was a problem. Yeah, we are talking about over 45 degrees. You can see a difficulty there. Uh, we do know that Jacob of Edessa, 
he talks about it and he mentions in 705 he's writing and he says uh, he refers to the Magrei and he says so from all this it is clear that it is not to the south that the Jews and the Maghreb, the Maghreb would be the name for the Arabs, That's, which is yep. the name of the Muslims at the time, here in the regions of Syria pray, but towards Jerusalem or the Kaaba, the patriarchal places of their races. So he saw immediately that there was a problem. And now this is 705, Hatun. So he talks about Jerusalem and also he talks about place called place of Kaaba. So he seems 705. to... 705, he's talking about a place of the Kaaba. Yeah, and he mentions his concerns on that. See, you can see Jerusalem or the Kaaba, not and the Kaaba. Yeah. It's or the Kaaba. So it could be two different places. Yeah. Now, why haven't anybody picked it up? Well, no one really picked up this for. I wouldn't pick this up if I'm just reading this for the first time, and especially in 1905 when Creswell and Fahervadi were in that place. Nobody had really thought why this but, was important. But Muslims should have picked that up. Because it's a well, very important place for them. We have picked it up, haven't we, Hatun? Because we so have Again, it didn't come from Muslims. Well, we have picked up because of some work that another man has done. We're going to end this off here, and we're going to start, start our next episode with this new work. Uh, if you just hold that book up that's been put together by Dan Gibson. We're going to then go look at this book, because he asked the same question. If it wasn't Jerusalem that these mosques were paying, playing to, yeah. And it's obvious they're not praying towards Mecca. That's quite clear. They're not paying, playing, praying towards Mecca. Then where is it? When you look yeah. back at this map here, you can see Mecca is too far down south. None of these are near Mecca. So this man we're going to talk about, Dan Gibson, in the next episode, we're going to introduce his new research. And this is pretty devastating research, isn't it? Is. It is. We're going to leave I it there. I wouldn't want to be Muslim. <laughs> you don't. Thank God you're not a Muslim. And for those of you Muslims who are watching this, this is going to be disturbing. We understand it. We're not here as a Christian polemic. This is not here as a literary or, or any type of theological polemic. This is a historical critique. We're doing a historical critique. We're looking at the objects that are there. We're looking at the archaeological evidence there. We're looking at the documents there. We're going to be looking at buildings. We're going to be looking at kiblas in the buildings. This is what everybody should do with every book that has historical claims, like the Quran. We're going to do that in our fourth episode. So come with us. Don't leave us. Hatun and Jay, we're here in London. Over and out. <laughs>